Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Decibel Geek Podcast. With Aaron Camaro and Chris Sinzak. All right, it's that all-important time once again. Yes, indeed, time for another exciting episode of the Decibel Geek Podcast. I am Aaron Camaro. Joining me in the booth, as always, my good friend Chris Zinzak. A groggy Chris Zinzak. Wake up, man. I'm trying to get my morning coffee in. You know, Great White is one of those bands, they've been around for a long, long time. You know, and the, this kind of band has had its ups and downs. You know, a couple, just a week or so ago, we were talking about 1991 and how it changed the landscape of rock music so much. Well, Great White was one of those bands that kind of got caught into that, but... You know, like we say, good music stands the test of time, and these guys were able to not only survive the whole change through '91, but still, they're you know they've got a ton of fans, and they're not doing so bad for themselves. Yeah, all both the, of them. Aside, yeah, as I say, <laughs> aside from the uh, the personal drama going on right now, and uh, for anyone who doesn't who doesn't know, although most of you tuning into this are f- well aware of the uh, leg- legal stuff going on with the band, um, Jack Russell, singer for Great White, has split off from the band, and Great White. The rest of the band uh, is now fronted by Terry Eilis from uh, is it XYZ. Yes. Yes. Um, and they just put out an album, Elation, which has stirred up a whole hornet's nest of legal issues with where the, there's a lot of stuff going on with that. I know things are just in the process between lawyers right now, but Jack has um, decided to go ahead and put a band together and go back on tour and um, billing it as Jack Russell's Great White. And uh, he's on a tour right now. He's on a break right now, getting ready to start up a new tour with a, a package deal. And um, so th- there's a lot of stuff going on right now. But we wanted to talk to Jack and see where he stands and, and mostly try to get a, a feel for his recollections on history. We we didn't want to go too far into a lot of the deep negative stuff because our show, we like to keep it as kind of a, an escape and an upbeat. Right. Thing. We're trying to have some fun. Yeah. We're not here to get all down in the doldrums and everything. So um we wanted to uh, get Jack's views on his the history of the band, and uh, we got that, I think. I believe so. Now, before we get into it, our, our conversation with Jack, you know, every week we uh, beforehand we talk about the writers on our website and what a great job they're doing. But today, I'd like to put the uh, appreciation and the focus on you for a minute, Chris, because, you know, people realize that we're here every single week now, you yep. know, and it didn't start that way. It started all kind of wishy-washy. <laughs> like every month we, or two. we actually, yeah, we've worked our way up to every single week. And, you know, really the credit for that goes directly to you because, I mean, Chris Zinzak is a guy, you know, he's on the show with me every single week, but the behind the scenes stuff that this guy does is unbelievable, you know, where I just kind of show up and do the show and have a good time and say, hey, thanks and leave. You know, Chris actually edits the show. He, you know, goes ahead and gets lined up for interviews. He's the one that talked to Jack Russell and got this set up. So, you know, all the great things that go on the Decibel Geek podcast is, you know, greatly in part to Chris and all his hard work and dedication. So, you know, 
Thanks, man. Oh, I appreciate that. And um, when I uh, when the divorce gets final, I'll move in with you. Nice. You might as well. <laughs> then then we'll have episodes every single day. Oh yeah. <laughs> I know you guys are gonna love that. Um, well, as far as the credit to the uh, Jack Russell interview, I also have to uh, give a shout out to Dave Harden, who runs the I believe it's the Jack Russell Well Wishers page. He's got. Jack Russell has a lot of pages on Facebook. He's very popular. Those of you tuning in from those pages, welcome aboard. Hope you'll listen to some other episodes. Uh, yeah, get back and check out the archives. We got some pretty cool stuff. stuff in there. Um, but yeah, Dave Harden, thank you so much for doing that. Um, just uh, visit the website, www.dbgeekshow.blogspot.com. Uh, there's lots of new stuff going up on the site all the time. We're doing a lot of photo gallery stuff. We have uh, agreements now with some photographers and uh, photo pages and uh, lots of good stuff for you uh, to look at. So, and we've got some stuff lined up for the future, too. And, yep. and today should be a testament that when I get on the show and I say, hey, we've got some big things coming up, I mean it. So once again, I want to let you know, after today, and including today, we've got some big things coming your way. Absolutely. So uh, let's go ahead and get on with our talk with Jack Russell. Yeah, yeah, that's a great place, and there's a lot of people live out in this area, you know I mean? Years ago, I mean, um, most of the members uh, of Great White lived out here at one time, you know? Oh, really? Um, yeah, we did, a, we did all of our albums out here pretty much, save uh, the last few, Everyone, you know, we were all recorded out here. Well, I guess you've had quite a week out there on the boat, haven't you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's been pretty crazy, man. Every, uh, you know, every... Uh, Everything goes on around here, man. You got to keep your eyes open. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, but, it's funny, too, because I'm sitting here, we're sitting there watching TV, you know, and hear this boom. I go, what the hell's that? My wife looks at me, I come out in the back, and there's a sailboat, and he's like semi attached to the back of my boat. Oh, man. I come out and look down, and just the boarding ladder was, was crushed, which I really don't care about. You know, I never use it anyway. But, you know, his, the front of his, uh, the prow of his boat was all bashed in, and, you know, I was kind of like, felt bad for the guy, you know. So, yeah, it's been a, it's an exciting week. <laughs> yeah. Hoping for a calm weekend, you know. Yeah, well, you know, everything will be on the record since we're an audio show. Because I saw the thing about the uh, the Alan Niven thing, and it's just boy, you, your name's popped up twice this week. You know, I got to stay out there, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> I don't even mean to, man. You know. Well, first that was supposed to be a, the, the Alan Niven thing was, you know, I see. I don't. I do not like to misspeak. I try to be, you know, I try to be honest all the time. And if I do make a mistake. You know, I want to write it as soon as I find out about it. So that's I found out about that. I was like, I immediately, you know, stop the presses, retract that. Because I don't want anybody to think, you know, wrong about anybody, you know. Yeah, I hear so, you. Especially if it's some mistake I made, you know what I mean? So, yeah, that's pretty cool. Straight, you, know? you know, you were talking about the early Great White albums, and I was listening to quite a bit of the catalog earlier today as we got ready for this episode. And um, I just got to say, I, I understand that, you know, those guys are doing their thing now, and you're doing your thing now. I just, as a fan, I just, I just, I it really saddens me that that, that this hasn't it's worked sad out. It's sad for me too, man. It's really sad for me too. You have no idea how sad it is for me. I mean, I'm really upset by this whole thing, you know, because we were friends. I thought we were friends, and we were friends at one time for for years. I mean, God, Mark and I were playing together since I was 17 years old. Yeah, I, yeah. So I was reading about it, you know, all the way back to like '78, and. Uh, yeah, you know, and it's just it's just horrifying when something like this comes to them. But, you know, they just got sick of me, you know, um, I'm screwing up, you know what I mean? It's like, but the problem is, for me, that I have a problem with is, like, I was there when they screwed up. Right. right. You know, I was there holding their hand and supporting them, 
you know, I mean, all the times it happened with them, but I guess, you know, so I guess they got sober before I did. So, you know, I, I, I get ostracized for that. So, you know, that really hurts, man. You know, you think maybe and, um, they're like looking at it as like a test to give you some time to see if you're going to be able to hold it together. Absolutely not. No, hmm. no, not with this stuff. It's coming down the legal <laughs> pipeline. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think knew the test. If it was a test, it went way overboard by now. All right. <laughs> where, well, where do where do things stand as of now with all of that? Right now, you know, the lawyers are handling it, and we'll just see where it goes. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I don't really try to concern myself too much on a daily basis. Right. You know, I'm just doing my thing, and and you know, taking care of myself, working on different projects, um, you know, and, and just keeping busy, man. And you know, I try to just keep things in a positive role and and just keep moving forward. You know, I'm, I'm really happy. I love the guys I'm playing with, and they, they love and they respect me, and they're there for me, you know, when I need them. And, you know, they, they're not around when I don't need them. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so it works out really, really well, you know. Yeah, well, um, let's go back to 78 when you and you and Mark first started out. Who came up with the name Dante Fox, and what does that mean? Well, that was actually a friend of the bass player, oh. kind of Don Costa. His friend was named Dante Fox. So that's what it meant. <laughs> we thought okay. it was a cool name, so the band was called that, you know. Nice. Okay. Well, that's easy. <laughs> when Mark and I first started, the band was called Wires, and then it went to, no, it was called Highway, and then it turned into Live Wire, and then it went to Wires, and you now then I did a little, uh, a little stint in a, in a good boy, in bad boy, bad boy detention for a little while, and it came back out, and it was Dante Fox, and we changed the name to Great White in 82. Okay. So what was the inspiration behind Great White? Was it just like a cool sounding name and it just went no, with it? No, you know, what it was is I've always been a shark fisherman and, you know, uh, you know, kind of the rock and roll jockey stow, you know what I mean? And um, I've had boats, I've been on the water my whole life. And I nicknamed Mark the Great White because he's like, you know, you know, one step short of an albino pretty much, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And, um, not there's anything wrong with that, of course, but I mean, you know, my stepson's an albino, so I don't mean any disrespect. But, um, <laughs> You know, he was really like inflected. You know, he had his white hair and then you yeah. know, he wore a white jumpsuit. So one night we're on stage, I go, hey, Mark Kendall, the great white. You know, he and the fans start plotting, you know, I mean, he's playing a solo. So I started calling now on stage during the solos. You know, I'd say, Mark Kendall, the great white, on the guitar, you know. And um, when we met with our, our we met with, when John Dawkins brought our, uh, this record exactly, Alan Niven, down to uh, see us at the whiskey, he uh, heard me saying that, you know, and he goes, and when he met with us, he goes, you know, I just don't like the name Dante Fox. It's kind of too whippy, you know what I mean? And we mark and look at each other like, what, you know? And he goes, well, how about the name Great White? We go, we look at each other like, oh, my God, that sucks, man. We'll lose all our following, right? It's like 200 people, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we thought, he goes, well, I heard you, that's not kind of cool. I heard you call Monk that, you know what I mean? And I go, well, you know, we don't really want to call the band that, you know what I mean? And uh, But he convinced us, you know, and, and after a while, we kind of thought, that's kind of a cool name, you know what I mean? A shark, and, you know, it's ballsy, and it kind of tears up the ocean, you know what I mean? And, right. And, um... You know, so we thought, okay, well, we'll go with it, you know what I mean? And and it took us a while to really wrap our heads around it, but, you know, it was better than being unsigned and called Dante Fox. You well, know, that's and, true. And, not, and um, not, so, too, not too long off from uh, the Jaws movie either, right? No, exactly. You know what I mean? So, I mean, sharks, I mean, I still like fish for sharks. All of that. I got shark jaws in my house. <laughs> I got, you know, try to vertebrae, fins. You know, I'm a nut, man, when it comes to sharks. I mean, so... Anyway, so when we did that, he said, okay, we're going to sign us to a label called Green World, you know? And um, he came to us one night at a meeting in his house in uh, Rancho Palos Verdes, and he said, hey, guys, I got some bad news. He goes, uh, my record label didn't want to sign you, so I, I, so I quit. He goes, I don't know what I'm going to do now. I go, hey, well, look, I got an idea. Why don't you manage us? And he goes, I have no idea about being a manager. I go, don't worry, you'll learn. 
<laughs> and you know he did, and and you know we put our whole record out, and you know consequently got signed by the major labels, and you know one thing led to another, and boom, you know we sold millions of records. Interesting. Cool. Uh, well, and you know based out of L.A., right? Yeah. Yeah, and so when you guys started out, this was well before the Sunset Strip explosion. What, give me an idea of what it was like before all the bands started just blowing up out of there. Oh, dude, it was electric. I mean, you could feel it in the air. Yeah. I swear to God, you could feel it, man. It was like you go to Hollywood, you go, man, something's going to blow up here. You just you just felt it. There was a vibe on the street, man. There was thousands of people walking up Sunset and Santa Monica Friday and Saturday nights, you know I mean, causing traffic jams. And I mean, I remember Mark and I going down Santa Monica Boulevard, putting our posters up on the, on the cell phone poles, and we looked behind us, and there's Mickey Six, like 100 yards back, covering up our posters with his Molly Crew on So we'd drive behind him, and we'd put our posters over his again. I mean, I guess it was down to the guy who had the most posters, you know? Yeah. So uh, it was great. We always come to each other's shows. You'd see Motley Crue at our gig, Rat at our gig. He's out you know, docking, and we'd all be the same at their gigs. And we just all hung out. It was one big community. It was really cool. And then people started getting signed, and boom, 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 boom. And next thing you know, everybody's on the road. You know? yeah. Pretty soon you're turning with your, your friends. You've been friends with for years. You know what I mean? All of a sudden you're playing arenas with them. It's, it was really, really cool, man. It was something that, that, you know, unfortunately that will never happen again. And I feel sorry for the younger kids coming up that want to be in bands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They missed it, you know. It, it will, rock and roll will never, ever again be as huge as it was in the 80s. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because it's almost like with the internet as great as it is and for as many you know avenues as it opens, it almost it pretty much killed off the whole idea of a regional thing becoming big. You know. Well, of course it did. The internet killed rock and roll. Yeah. Destroyed it. Destroyed the music that we know as far as you know as far as arena tours and and bands selling millions of records and you know I mean it just doesn't happen. I mean you're not going to see uh, a bunch of bands out there touring arenas in every single city. Right. I mean, there's, you know, it's a lot involved in that, a lot more than that. I mean, you know, you know, a lot of politics involved in that stuff. But, I mean, basically, my take on it is as soon as, you know, downloading became possible, it was like, what's the point of making a record? It's just mm-hmm. like, you know, it's kind of like jacking off, you know what I mean? <laughs> That's all it is, is musical masturbation. We don't make records to make money anymore. We make it to satisfy ourselves because we're sick of listening to the last one, you know? Right, right. And, um, is it? I mean, if there is any money to be made from it, is it pretty much with the live show these days? Oh, yes, it's turned around completely. Or yeah. it used to be, you know, you lost money on tour, you know, to support your record. You know, you right. went out and you spent all your money on production and you didn't really make much on the tour. You know, you paid your bills, but it was a big profit to be to be made from it, you know, generally. And you made your, you know, you went out to support your album. You know, you go out to tour, people buy the record. So it was a very simple equation. And now it's completely reversed itself. You know, mm-hmm. you tour to make a living. You know, you sell records. Well, that's kind of cool. You know, you, you put your record out, you know, somebody buys two or three copies, and pretty soon it's all the internet people download it. And, you know, everybody's got your record, but nobody's bought it. Mm-hmm. Man, that's wild so, the way everything's changed so much. It's horrible. It's horrible. And I feel really, I'm just really lucky. I feel so blessed that I came up in that time when it's huge. You know, I mean, it was as big as it was ever going to get, you know. But yeah, like you were saying, Chris, you know, you're never going to have that regional thing. You're never going to have, you know, an L.A. scene. You're never going to have, like, a Seattle scene like they had in the 90s. No, you know, it's never going to be like that no, because everything's worldwide. Blowing up out of nowhere, you know what I mean? Some, some, you know, some street band coming out of a garage, you know, playing the clubs, and all of a sudden, kaboom, they're playing arenas. No, mm-hmm. ain't going to happen. Yeah, it's a, it's a long it's struggle. It's really sad. It's really, really sad the world comes to that, you know, as far as entertainment. You know, it's just really sad. Everything's very corporate now. And, you know, people make a lot of money, like, you know, um, Lady Gaga's and the people like that of the world, you know. Right. Like, unless you're a band like Aerosmith, of course. I mean, I mean, they're gonna make money somehow. Yeah. You know I mean, uh, um, no matter what. 
Yeah, you know? unless you have that built, built in their, rate, their record sales aren't like what they used to be either. I doubt they're selling millions and millions of records. You know? No, no. No, not like they used to. I mean, I, I would imagine they still do pretty good, but. Yeah, I'll tell you what, though. I went into, I went into a, a, I found a music store one day. I couldn't believe it. I actually found a CD store. <laughs> and um, I went in, and I'm looking for an Aerosmith album because I wanted to add one that I had lost in my collection. And they didn't have a card for Aerosmith. I'm like, what? No. I mean, no sense even looking at Great White. Forget it. I mean, yeah, I suppose they don't have Aerosmith. I was in there, you know. Crazy. I mean, Best Buy stopped selling, started start selling, stopped selling CDs, and I mean, it's like, it's just tragic, man. I mean, I remember the old days where Liquor's Pizza and you know Sam Goody and right. you know uh, the Warehouse and you know all that kind of stuff. And now it's like there's there are not really any CD stores. You know, there are they have very small number of cds i mean you go to amazon i guess and order something you know yeah right. it's like and it, I, you miss the the good old days of even of a cd but even better a vinyl holding that big thing oh, in your hand. right oh, oh my yeah. god i know you got an album cover man and now now yeah. i mean how do you hold a download <laughs> you know you can't i mean we, we we did this really awesome album cover I, I i had this um i commissioned this painting from a friend of mine who does underwater stuff and jim warren who wanted a Grammy for a Bob Seger's Against the Wind, okay? Great song. Each of them painted one half of the painting. Jim Warren painted the top half, and my friend Paul McPhee painted the bottom half. And, you know, I told what I wanted, I told the design I wanted, and, you know, they pulled it off on a painting. Mm -hmm. And um, it was beautiful. It was all this intricate stuff. And then when it came down to the size of the CD, I was like, what? Oh, <laughs> you just could barely me. see what's going on. You know, I was like, man, that just doesn't quite... Turned out the way I thought it was gonna, you know. Oh man, yeah. It looked. It doesn't look good in a little thumbnail on iTunes these days. No, man. Yeah, no. I mean, I can imagine what next. Like these little just chips. You know what I mean? I mean, you leave, somebody sneezes, you lose your whole album collection in the shag rug. You're like, oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> no vacuum. <laughs> exactly. Give me some tweezers, quick. You know. Oh, oh yes. Proud to be one of David Lee Roth's favorite podcasts. Yeah. He's always running to get the next episode. Oh, God! Oh, God, I'm running! Oh, yeah! He wouldn't lie to you. God damn it, baby, no, I ain't lying to you. I'm only going to tell you one time. Oh, yeah! So, be like Diamond Dave and listen to the Decibel Geek Podcast. Extra push over the cliff, you know what we do? Put it up to eleven, exactly. The only podcast that goes to eleven. One loud. Why don't you just make ten louder and make ten be the top number and make that a little louder? These go to eleven. This is the Decibel Geek Podcast. As I said, I was listening to the early stuff today, and I, I just from my own personal thoughts, um, the first two albums come across a little bit more, I, I dare I say, almost new wave of British heavy metal type sound. And then after that, it seemed like you guys went more for the blues based, you know, down and dirty rock stuff. Are you stuff. speaking of uh, like one spin? Are you, are you talking about um, actual the uh, self titled? Yeah, album, the self the, the uh, self titled the and shot in the dark. Yeah, we're very yeah. They well, were, yeah, we were kind of like Judas Priest in the first album. Yeah. You know I mean? And we were just so kind of growing. We really didn't know 
what our sound was really, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, Mark and I were writing a lot of really, really heavy stuff, you know, because that's kind of where we came from, you know. And um, ironically, we ended up doing with Judas Priest, you know. <laughs> and, uh, so let me do the second record, Shot in the Dark, and that was kind of an experiment because I always wanted to put keyboards in the band. You know, Mark never wanted them because he didn't want to thin the band out, but I always wanted keyboards and really guitar players so we'd kind of do different stuff. Yeah. And on the Shot in the Dark album, as much as I liked it, I think we took it too far that direction, you know, it kind of got too a little bit it was almost, keyboarded out. Yeah, it was almost progressive sounding in, in parts. Yeah, it got a little too far in that area. It's kind of like, you know, when you, when you, when you, the pendulum's got to swing both, both ends before it kind of gets in the middle, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, then the once bitten album was kind of when I really felt like, okay, this is, we're finally finding our groove here. This is kind of the, this is going to be our backyard kind of, this is where we need to kind of sit around and explore this whole area here until we tap it out. You know what I mean? Well, what gave you, you the know? what gave you the foresight to to push for Save Your Love to be on the album? Because it, you know I've read that the the record company did and the producer did not want to put it on there. No, they didn't. They thought I was too wimpy. I mean, I remember um, um, being told that you know I needed to come from a point of strength lyrically, and I'm like, you know, no, that's not what the song's about. Mm-hmm. This is a sappy love song. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's about love, okay? It's about this love I will never achieve, but I want it. You know what I mean? And, and people out there, it's the kind of perfect love we all want, but it's just rare to find it. You know what I mean? And um, so I said, look, if this album ain't going to the record, I'm not going to be on the album. I'm leaving. You know what I mean? And, you know, consequently got put on the album. And it was a song I wrote with a gentleman named Stephen Williams. Mm-hmm. And um, he had done some writing with us before on the uh, Shot in the Dark album. So I'm actually, he was almost always, he was, he was almost in the band. Um, instead of Michael Lardy. Hmm. It just, we didn't like his look, unfortunately, as much as, you know, Michael's you know, at the time. And that was really a lousy reason to, to not hire somebody. But, I mean, you had to kind of think of those things in that day and age, you know? Right at that time, you know, it was a I mean, big deal to Michael's have the look. Behind, Michael was behind a curtain for a while, you know, when we played, because <laughs> we didn't want to have a keyboard player in the band. We didn't want to have, you know, a, I don't know, it just looked kind of weird to us. So it took us a while for even, for even us to you know, Key- feel comfortable with it. You know? Keyboard players were like a taboo subject back in those days because I remember Kiss yeah, did the I same know. thing with, I... with Gary Corbett for years. I know. A lot of bands in the 80s had them, and they were always behind like the screens. And, and, yeah. You know, we'd go on the road with our, some of our favorite bands, and we'd watch behind the screen, and they'd like, they got a keyboard player. <laughs> I didn't know that. He's back there singing and playing keyboards, you know. Like eating a sandwich, and we can only can see him anyway. You know, easiest job. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was pretty, pretty, pretty trippy, man. You know, pretty you, trippy. So, well, you mentioned opening up for Priest on the Defenders of Faith tour. I mean, can you share a little bit about your experience with that? Were you guys just completely stoked to get that gig? Oh, you can I even okay. The first two we did. Let me go back a little bit before that. The first two we did was in uh, the UK with Whitesnake. Uh-huh. The original Whitesnake with David Coverdale. You know, John Sykes, Mel Galley, Neil Murray, Cozy Powell, and um, John Lord. Wow. And that was a hell of a band. And I remember sitting in these little piano bars in these uh, old English hotels, right, sitting next to John Lord on the piano bench, singing Deep Purple songs. We used to play on going, my God, I'm sitting next to John Lord, I'm singing Deep Purple. <laughs> it was so cool. That's and I remember awesome. us going around, you know, all these, these we stayed at some of these castles and things like that. It was just really awesome, man. Mm. And um, then we came back to the States and did the Priest tour. And that was, the odd thing about that was two years before that, Judas Priest was in town and they had come down to the True River, which is a little bar in Hollywood, you know. And um, Halford was there and I walked in and I made my way up to Halford. I go, hey, you don't know me, man, but one of these days I'm going to open up for you. He goes, oh, yeah, no, it's good for you both, you know. Really? I walked off, you know. 
And then when I, when I met him on the tour, I told him that story. He goes, oh, really? How about that? I go, you don't remember that at all. He goes, nope. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to think how many people. That was a great adventure, man. It really was. Well, I mean, it's pretty man, cool, yeah. Tour, you call it, like, and then know, it happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was our first U.S. tour, and we were just having a blast, man. We just tore it up. It was so much freaking fun. I always wonder, what was Priest like off stage? I mean, were they crazy party guys, or were they great pretty mellow? guys. Yeah, well, you know, some of them partied a lot. Yeah, I mean, KK and, 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 uh, and um. Um, oh God, KK and Glenn Tipton, you know, yeah. they'd be out there, you know, partying a lot. I remember we were playing a volleyball game down in um in Biloxi, Mississippi, and we had a couple of days off down there, and uh, we're on the beach playing volleyball, and they come out and they got their shorts on, the leather jackets, their hair's all perfect, they got sunglasses on, they're playing volleyball. It looked like an episode of the Fonz when he was he was water skiing, you know what I mean? <laughs> With the jacket on, yeah. yeah he's going to jump the shot they, with his yeah, jacket. Did they jump the great white? Just, Go Fonz, you know? Nice. It was pretty comical, man, but it was funny, though. But it was great. They're really nice guys, man. I mean, Rob is a super great guy. I remember one time we're in a bar, we're sitting there after a show, you know, and I wasn't drinking, but I was just kind of chilling because everybody hung out. I mean, I didn't really drink on the road ever because it just screws my voice up, you know? Yeah. So I'm sitting there, and he comes up, and he puts his arm around me. He sits next to me and goes, hey, mate, I really love your voice. I'm thinking, oh, my God, I'm going to get kicked off the tour because I won't sleep with him, you know? Uh. <laughs> and I, and I, go, I go, hey, Rob, I love you too, man, but I go, I'm not like that. He goes, oh, that's all right, man. I wasn't talking about that. And I go, oh, my God, you idiot. Stuck your foot in it, you know? Oh, wow. But, uh, Awkward. He was, he was really cool, though. He was he was a great guy, a great singer. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, what a great band that was. It was just so fun to open up for him. I mean, every night, man, it's got boom. That's the awesome. crowd be level by the time he booked off stage. It's always wild to me that, you know, it took so long for the general public to realize that Rob Helford was gay when, you know, on the inside, it was a pretty well-known thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I mean, you know, I, I get it if you don't want to sit there and talk about it in the magazines. Right. Yeah. But it's kind of trippy when you think about all these love songs talking about this and that, and then you right. realize that kind of gives a whole different meaning, you know? Well, it's one, like, oh! Well, well, all it took was seeing the Hot Rockin' video one time, and I pretty much knew. <laughs> 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 oh, it's to him, though. He's a great guy. Oh, great yeah. Man. And he's yeah, a, he's a legend. Album. You can't say anything about it, about Rob Alford. But, um, and then when it, in 87, when you put Once Bitten Out... Um, and I'm going to go ahead and fast forward a little bit. I first saw you guys live um, opening here in Nashville for Kiss in 92. And I believe, I think you may have opened with it, may have been the second song, but you played Rock Me. And uh, I, I mean, I knew you from Once Bitten, Twice Shy, but when I saw you guys live and heard Rock Me, I was just like, this is one of the better live bands I've seen. I mean, it was... Thank you. It was, it was. I mean, that song is just made to play live. It's just awesome. Yeah, that is a killer tune. You know, I think the one thing about Great White, I will say, I don't really really believe anyone's ever captured the essence of this band in the studio. Oh, it sounded I really don't way better that. live. I think this band was, was much more of a live band than it was a studio band. I think for whatever reason, I mean, you know, I've heard all, I mean, we've made some great studio albums, I mean, but then I hear a live record or something like that and I go, man, there's just something raw about that and the guitar is gnarly and you know, there's no compression on stuff, and it's just kind of, I don't know, man. You know, I've always felt that we were really, really a live band. Well, not knocking the records, but some of them weren't, weren't really, um, didn't really show what the band really sounded like. You know, some of the productions were kind of, kind of flat, mm-hmm. you know, kind of um, just, just you know, as, as far as I'm concerned, that's just my own opinion. You know what I mean? Well, I was, um, I was talking to him before we got on the phone with you that um, 
that tour that you got when you opened up for Kiss, um, you were supporting Psycho City, and I was mentioning how I I think that is a seriously underrated album, and um, oh, absolutely. I think pr- production-wise, that came as close as you can get to capturing you guys live. You know, I agree. I agree. That album was very well done. Um, very well, very well, um, you know, mixed by Michael and, and Alan did a great job at production and it was uh, it was a great record and we had a lot of fun making it. I remember we rented this big house up in San Inez, which is like right near Michael Jackson's pad, right near Roland. And um, we pulled a mobile truck up to it, right? And then we were on like 17 acres of property. We were there shooting our guns, you know, when we weren't playing. And I remember Alan screaming out of the house, Shoot, quit shooting your bloody rifles, Russell, as you can hear it on the tape. I'm like, okay. They took the 30 out, six away, grabbed the 22. <laughs> and, um, I remember Adi, where he, we, we were playing the, um, the bass and drums, the guitar were set up in the living room, right? And there was a fireplace directly behind Adi's drums. Mm-hmm. And every stick he broke, he threw it to the fireplace. And he had this, and he was going to, you know, when the record was done, he was going to ceremoniously light these things on fire, right? Okay, so. The record's finished, you know, he takes his kit down or whatever, and I'm in there watching him, he's taking his can of Ronson lighter fluid, which is butane, right? Right. And he's spraying this butane all over the over the sticks. I'm watching him, and I walk away, and I sat down at the end of the house, and I hear this, kaboom! <laughs> I'm like, sunk, it blew up! And my, my roadie said, actually playing, playing the, the Sega, right? He goes, nah, man, what could have blown up? I go, something blew up, man. He runs to the back of the house, because that goes, something blew up, something blew up. I go, what blew up? He goes, Audie blew up. I went, what? Audie oh, blew no. up. I run to the back of the house, and there's Audie looking like buckwheat, right? His hair <laughs> fried up, he's got like no eyebrows. It was, you know, it was just hysterical, and I didn't think about it. Ronson is butane, right? It's not like the, the liquid, right? So it uh-huh. turns into a gas. Oh, right. So he's, he's basically filling up this fireplace hearth with, with gas. Oh, and of course, when you litter, what happened, man? Kaboom, it exploded. Wow. <laughs> yeah, something only a drummer could do, you know? Oh, of course. <laughs> it was pretty comical. We had a good awesome. time with it. It was really a lot of fun, man. Well, really a lot of fun. And the, Those the, days we were really, really close, you know? Yeah. We really were. I mean, I got sober up there on February 22nd. I remember and, um, Mark got sober like a month after that, and we were both sober for almost eight years. You know, I went out, and like a month or so later, he went out again. And, uh, uh-huh. You know, and it was back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. I'm sober, he's not, he's sober, I'm not, you know, and, and it is what it is. Well, I, I can imagine some strain comes up from that. And um, that well, was. Sure, of course, you know, especially when you're sober and your right hand man isn't. Yeah. You know I mean, yeah. either way. Yeah. I mean, it just it caused him more grief than it did me. I mean, it didn't bother me as much as it did him. You know what I mean, mm-hmm. I'd get frustrated and stuff, but. I figured we're pals, you know what I mean? You just kind of go with it and help the guy out, and he'll get over it eventually, you know? And uh, Unfortunately, uh, that wasn't reciprocated, so, you know, it is what it is, you know? I mean, I, I'm not going to blame them for the way they are. They're just who they are, and I'm who I am, so, you know. Right. I'm better than worse. I hear you. Um, well, that tour uh, opening for Kiss, do you have any particular memories from, from doing that run with them? Yeah, you know, <laughs> this is great. We were, we were getting ready to meet Kiss for the first time, right, and I had this really long coat on. And it was kind of around, it was somewhere past Halloween or something. And for some reason, we had this rubber foot on our bus, like a Halloween thing. And, yeah. and it looked like a real foot. <laughs> so I had this long coat on, and I put this rubber foot in my right hand. And when I walked up to Gene Simmons, I stuck my hand out with his foot. And he went to shake my hand. He's like, he jumps back. <laughs> and I showed us the foot. He goes, oh, my God, I thought you looked like at foam or something. <laughs> wow. And it scared the 
the shit out of them. It was awesome, man. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> there was some fun shows. It's funny because they called us up and they begged us to come help their tour because it was really doing lousy. You know? yeah. We were actually headlining our own tour at the time. So we, they, you know, they offered us a stupid amount of money. We said, okay, we'll do it. So we went out with them and Kicks was opening up. And then Gene was doing this interview later on and I read it and the guy said, Oh, gee, you know, how come you're touring with me? How come you have these bands like these corporate rock bands like Great White and Trickster opening up for you? He says, oh, we couldn't get who we really wanted to, so we had to take what we could get. I'm thinking, uh-huh. Jeez. take what you could get. Corporate bands. I don't have any lunch boxes or dolls. <laughs> yeah, you know I mean? yeah, no kidding. Hot meat kettle. I wasn't so hot on Gene. You know what I mean? <laughs> Oh, we just kind of did our show and then split, you know. Yeah. Oh man. Well, I will. <laughs> I, I I will say. Um, Having both of y'all on the same bill was definitely fun to watch. I will say that. Oh yeah, no, it was a great show, man. Don't don't get me wrong, man. I yeah. I, I always thought they were a great band, still do. I will say that. I will say you both of both bands definitely blew Trickster off the stage. Who was oh, the opening man, band for sure? <laughs> and that well, was you know I think that was in our contracts. Nice. Oh really? Well, you you fulfilled <laughs> them. I got to see that very same tour up in Wisconsin when I was living up there in '92 with Kiss and Great White. And yeah, you're right. Trickster stunk it up, man. Oh man. <laughs> Well, I don't want to bag on them. They were nice guys, for that way. I never, ever actually saw one of their shows because I never had, you know, I don't go watch opening acts because I'm generally getting ready for my own show, you know, so. Right. Yeah. right. I never seen them. So, I mean, they were nice guys. That's all I can say. Yeah. Putting an end to ugly rumors. Gene Simmons does not have a cow's tongue. You're listening to the Decibel Geek Podcast. Listen to the Decibel Geek Podcast on your iPhone, Android phone, BlackBerry, and WebOS phones with Stitcher. Stitcher's smart radio for your phone. Find it in your app store or at Stitcher.com. Stitcher smart radio, the smarter way to listen to radio. Hi, this is John Bonham, and you're listening to the Decibel Geek Podcast. We actually, this uh, this episode will go up next week, and this will be a double double dose of Jack Russell, really, because we actually we did a, a 1991 year in review episode last week, and then we uh, spun uh, Desert Moon off of uh, Hooked last week. You know that oh, just, right on. that just goes to show how bad music really is nowadays. When we're doing years in review and we're going back and doing like 75 and 82 and 91. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that, he wants to be like 2004. I was like, eh, eh. Uh, that's, yeah. that's what I said. You know, <laughs> you know, when we actually get to like 2004 or 2000, you know, eight, we're we're down gonna, to the bottom. It's you gonna know, be we a got struggle. Nothing left. <laughs> yeah, just turn around. Just just play one of our albums and end it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's it. it sounds well, like a plan. But yeah, we were talking about not, promotion, man. You know, that's it. Uh, Ninety one. You guys came out with Hooked. Great album. Um, it was Thank the you. it was the follow up to Twice Shy, which was you guys' biggest hit album, and right. you know it was a time for change. There was a lot of transition in the air with the the change in rock, the change in attitude. You know, as far as the party rock bands versus these new serious, you know, yeah, dirty, shoes yeah, the, the yeah. right, the grunge bands. You know, and yeah. we were talking in '91. It seemed like you know the grunge bands didn't really realize that they were about to skyrocket into fame and fortune. And it seemed like the the party rock bands, and you know, not to group a bunch of bands together, but you would definitely, you know, Great White fits into that. You know, didn't really see the big change coming. You know. Would you agree with that? Well, absolutely not. I mean, you know, 
you kind of you kind of saw the smoke on the horizon, but you kind of were hoping against hope that you know it was only a passing fad. You know what I mean? Like, okay, I hope it's like new wave in and out. You know? Yeah. Um, but it wasn't. You know, what I mean, I think what happened. This is just my own personal opinion. There were so much, so many bands of the '80s that started to sound the same. They were signing anybody with long hair. Right. You know, you play rock, you got long hair, you look cute. The video, okay, we're gonna sign you. Yeah. You know, and just like anything else, when it's like a carbon copy, you know, the, the, the farther you get away from the original, you know, the less clear it is, you know, and the more homogenized and, and, and pasteurized it gets, you know what I mean? So there were so many bands that really weren't great bands that got signed. And all of a sudden the airways are just flooded with zazas and bebebas and zoes. And then they like, kind of like sound like this side, they kind of sound like that, they kind of sound like this, they kind of sound like that, you know. Mm-hmm. It was like 94 rats, 32 great whites. You know, 108 Guns and Roses, and you know, so on and so on. Yeah. You know, so it kind of like there was just too much. It was like an overload of the same kind of music, and on the radio, it didn't hold up, and people were just waiting for something different. You know, if they would have kept it to like, let's only sign, let's only keep the great bands around. You know, I mean, let's just sign like in the 70s, man. You had, you know, you had like Zeppelin and the Stones and Aerosmith. You didn't have like 50 bands that kind of sounded like them. Right. Right. You know I mean, everybody, everybody was, but the companies, you know, they just gravitate to whatever's selling and and try to get four or five of their own of it. You know, I mean, and explode it and then until it, until it ruins it. You know, and. I think that's what happened, you know, and then all of a sudden people wanted something different and that was different, you know, plus you had another, another, um, generation kind of coming up behind that, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And they wanted their own kind of stuff, I guess. Cause I mean, for me, I don't think anybody that was really into like eighties rock is all of a sudden going to flip sides and put on a penalty and start shooting heroin, you know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What was your opinion of of the grunge bands coming in? What did it, were you a fan of any of those bands? Uh, honestly, no, not really. I just kind of I couldn't get my head around most of it. You know, I mean, that doesn't mean it wasn't valid. No, know? but I I appreciate your honesty because there are I've but, heard I mean, a you know, you know Allison Chains I really liked a lot. You know, uh, Stone Temple Pilots. I mean. You know, it was as close as I got, really. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I I hate to say I didn't like Nirvana. I didn't either. <laughs> you know, I'm not saying Kurt Cobain was a good songwriter. I just personally didn't like him. Right. You know, and I'm sure I'll take some heat from that some people. Oh, you're an idiot, you know, whatever. You know, I've heard people say that Kurt Cobain was as a greatest songwriter as, as you know, Brian Wilson with the Beach Boys. I was kind of like, what? Uh, <laughs> I don't know about you know, that. I mean, yeah. that's... I think you're talking a little bit, you know, out of your league there. Yeah. But, you know, I can appreciate, their, you know, anybody's music. Man, it's a hard business to be in. Anybody that can make a, a living making music, you know, is, I, I my hat's off to them. Because right. it's really hard business, not just, you know, to, to write songs that people enjoy, but everything else that's involved in it. I mean, the politics and, you know, just everything. I mean, I, I'm getting that, you know, in spades right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I'm realizing, you know, just how hard this business can be, you know. How hard it is on your on your on your your emotions and your spirit? Yeah. That you know? um. Well, and then you know, grunge had it its run, and it, you know, it did survive for a while. And I remember, I think it was '99. I saw you guys playing with, uh, it was, I believe it was Poison and Rat on the Shed tour, and uh, kind of seemed yeah. like there was a revival of that stuff. And uh, what was what was your uh, opinion on that that tour? Well, you know, I agree, man. I was doing great. I mean, you know, John Claudner had his uh, portrait label on Columbia, you know, mm-hmm. and um. We had an album with them called Can't Get Them Here, which actually had a, a, a number six single, and we sold over 100,000 copies, which was incredible for a band of our genre, genre in 1999. That was like, for sure, didn't happen. I mean, that was like, didn't happen. But unfortunately, the label wasn't behind John, so 
you know, and they put the money somewhere else instead of our second single, which you know, I thought was the John thought was the money song, and you know, it just kind of happened, and they just dropped the ball, and and I decided after that I didn't want to do another record with it, and I told John, I said, you know, he offered me another album, I said, John, no, I don't want to do this, I'm just going to go do my solo thing, and I dissolved the band after that. Mm-hmm. And you went on and did some solo work, and uh, Mark did some solo work as well, correct? Yeah, yeah, um, I did my thing, he did some of his own thing, and then. Um, you know, the, the fans weren't there in the way I expected to be for my solo album, you know what I mean? Because I wasn't playing a lot of great white stuff, and, you know, they had just, you know, the, the Free You album, which was really, really mellow, wasn't really getting exposure, so people didn't know what to expect from that. So I said, you know what, hell with this, I'm just going to call it Jack Russell's Great White. Mm-hmm. And I called Mark and I said, hey, do you want to work for me? So he said, yeah. So I hired him for Jack, under Jack Russell Touring, and uh, he played Jack Russell's Great White, and so, you know. The tragedy of Rhode Island. Now, yeah, that was such a huge thing, you know, and I know it's it's been a long time. You know, are you comfortable talking about that now? I mean... You know, honestly, to be honest with you, I really don't want to talk about it, you know, because no matter what I say, mm-hmm. it's never it's never right. You yeah, know I, mean? I, I, I can understand that. Feelings or, you know what I mean? So I, I, I've said all I want to say about that. Sure. It's horrible. I feel terrible about it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if I, one thing I, I just learned, because I said, so I, I talked about it recently, mm-hmm. and there was a flood of people, you know, taking one thing I said and making it into something else. So I just found it's better for me just not to talk about it. You know? Right. Yeah, I guess it's better Thank off. You, though. I, I, you know, I, I, I appreciate you asking because that just shows you're a good journalist. But well, we don't want to corner you into anything. No, man, that's not that's not what the Death Boogie podcast is about. And, and it, really, it, really, it really hurt me, you know. Right. Yeah, I can imagine. Here, so. You know? You know, just Otherwise. personally from, you know, even if it's just my own personal point of view, you know, as as huge as a tragedy as it was, you know, it's just one of those things that I don't think anybody could have foreseen it happening. Nobody could have known that that was going to go down. Everybody was there to see Great White and have a good time. And, you know, I know you guys caught a lot of shit for it, but, you know, I just I can't see how you guys can be held responsible for it just being one of those things. And, you know. We still love you, man. You know, it, it's just well, pre- one of those deals. Your, your thoughts on that. Thank you very much. You no know, problem. but uh, you know, since then, you guys have continued. Um, you've you've come up with music. Now you've got the whole deal going on, where you know, and it's kind of funny because everybody jokes about it because there was two L.A. guns going out there, and there's like yeah, two vixens going out there, and everybody jokes about it. Well, which one are you going to see? Mm-hmm. You know, which one's doing this? Which one's doing that? I, I just personally think it stinks that you know, and and this is coming this is coming from a guy who just told Jan Kuhneman that I thought it was cool that she was touring with her solo band, and if they loved her and appreciated her, she should forget the original ones and stick with them. But in this instance, I got to say, man, it stinks. I'd, I'd really love to see the original guys back together, as I'm sure most would. But on the other hand, if you're happy and you're doing your thing and enjoying it, you know, more power to you. Yeah, I'm happy. They're happy. So you know, I mean. The, the chips are going to fall where they will, you know. It's, it's, it's out of my hands right now and, and certainly out of theirs. Mm-hmm. And um, we'll just have to see what happens. I mean, in the meantime, you know, I've never told anybody not to go see them. Sure. Right. I've, I've never, ever said anything. I've never unfriended anybody off my Facebook page or anything like that, you know what I mean, um, for going to see them. You know, so, you know, I say live and let live. Go, you know, go out and watch them see both bands. I mean, you know, what the, what the heck, you know. You got you get twice, twice the white for you know, <laughs> in one year, you know. There you go. Um, and I know you're on a break right now at the moment, but you're about to go on this uh, America Rocks tour. Man, yeah. I just got to say, just for before we get too far into this, if there's anybody out there, club owners, anybody in Nashville, why the hell are you not bringing this tour to town? Yeah, exactly. What the yeah, hell? Yeah, man? 
I mean, you're talking Jack Russell's Great White, Faster Pussycat. Who else? Uh, Bill Bullet Boys, mm. Pretty Boy Floyd, Lillian Axe. I mean, that's a good bill. Man, what a lineup! I love that. Yeah, it's gonna be a great. It is really great, Bill, and it's gonna be a lot of fun, man. It's gonna be a lot of fun. There's gonna be some raucous rock and roll going on, you know. And uh, I mean, we've done really, really well, you know, as far as attendance goes, and and we get really good receptions and nothing but great, great, great reactions from the fans. Nothing but you know, amazingly. Um, you know, great comments, you know, people mm-hmm. have been seeing the band for, you know, 28, 30 years, you know, I mean, I can't believe the, the, the accolades they're, 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 you know, telling me, so it's, it's, uh, you know, it's great, man, I mean, I'm really excited, and I think, you know, everybody should come out and see the band, you know, I mean, it's just a good time, you know, and you got uh, the voice you remember, and the songs you remember, so, you know, why not? Why not? And I want to have fun. You do. Go see this this show. Yeah, and I, you, you're playing close to here. You're playing Sevierville on the 3rd of July, and then you're playing Florence, Alabama on the 4th, and I was just like, man, you're a hop, skip, and a jump away. I just I hate that Nashville didn't get put on the map for this one. But uh... Well, you know, maybe later, because we're talking with some other bands that really wanted to be on this tour as well, but, you know, obviously there's only room for so many. Yeah. So we may do another leg. Um, later on with a different lineup, you know what I mean? Because um, there was really a lot of bands, I mean, I couldn't even believe it, that were like, hey, we want to go, we want to go, you know? So, um, you know, maybe more to follow. You know, I think we'll keep this thing running, you know, every year. You know, and I think that's cool, and it shows the uh, the longevity and the, and the the fortitude of a band like Great White or, you know, even Jack Russell, you doing it, and even the other bands on that bill that, you know, you guys were all written off a long time ago. You know, even when oh, the, yeah, when the whole grunge thing happened, you know, you guys were written off, but, man, you're still here, still killing it, man. You so. know, <laughs> I've been written off more times than rock, I mean, than, uh, than, than um, than um, Muhammad Ali, you know? Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, I keep coming back, man. I mean, thank God. You know, I'm, I'm very blessed. I'm very blessed. And obviously I'm here for a reason, you know, and I hope that reason is to make people feel good and enjoy themselves. And, and you know, hopefully my songs and the lyrics can, uh, you know, can change people's lives in a, in a better way, you know? And uh, I don't know, man. It's, uh, it's just a lot of fun, man. I'm 51 years old and I feel like I'm 20. You know, and getting ready to go on a bus tour again, which is something I never, ever thought I would do again. You know, <laughs> the last bus tour we did was uh, the Poison Tour in 99. Wow. Right? Wow, yeah, that has um, been a little while. Just, it's just not, you know, not economical enough usually to um, do bus tours, you know, but this one worked out to where it is. So, um, you know, it's going to be a lot of fun. That's a lot cool. more work than I'm used to, but, you know, what the hell. Yeah, well, we're happy to promote it, and you know, our show is basically that we cover the that era of music. That's what our, that that's what we grew up on. That's what we love. So we cover the stuff we like, and um, yeah, we played the good kind. Exactly, right. you know it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we've played your stuff before, and we'll play some more stuff in the future. But um, yeah, just um, appreciate. It. Let me ask you one wacky question. Um, is there anything that's like on your iPod that people would just be like, "Really, Jack Russell's into that?" You know. Um... <laughs> Sounds of the Surf. <laughs> <laughs> like, why would he need to listen to that? He, yeah, that I was, was going to say, all he's got to do is open his door. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was a joke. Um, you know what? I don't know. I re- I, I'm pretty much just a, you know, a straight-up meat and potatoes kind of guy, man. You know, Aerosmith and Zeppelin and, you know, the Purple, Alice Cooper. Uh-huh. You know, bands of that genre. Bands that I grew up listening to, you know, of course, Great White, you know. Yeah. Um, my new stuff. You know, we've been working on, which, uh, you know, until we figure out the name thing, I'm not going to put an album out. I want to make that mistake, you know. Right. <laughs> um, I think that's, I think, until it all gets settled, I think it's kind of jumping the gun, you know, but, you Yeah. Know. Jumping the shark, sort of. Jumping oh. the shark, yeah. So, you know, we'll just wait and see. <laughs> but I mean, we've got a lot of good stuff in the can, you know. 
and um, I'm really excited to get that out for people to hear, you know. And um, so I mean, it's pretty much you know just your normal stuff, a lot of '80s stuff, you know. It's the stuff I grew up with as well. I mean, I consider the '80s, you know, part of my childhood as well. Right. You know? Oh yeah, you grew up in the middle of it all. And then um, you mentioned Zeppelin. Let me do, go ahead and give pay you one compliment. Um, I saw it was great white. I believe it was on Unplugged, and you guys did a cover of "Babe, I'm Gonna Leave You." And man, that is up there at least in my top five cover songs of all time. Thank you very much. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of an album called Great Zeppelin. I've heard yeah, a was, little bit. Yeah. Wasn't that a live album? Yeah, we recorded three shows in Los Angeles, actually in, in California, um, and recorded um, all these nothing but Zeppelin songs. Oh, wow. And I had this idea, we were coming back from a tour, and um, we had gotten so many requests to play some more Zeppelin, and I thought, you know what, why don't we just get this out of the way <laughs> Let's just go do a whole album, nothing but Zeppelin, and record it and release it. Awesome. So we did, and we had it sitting around my studio on the shelves for a long time. And, and one day I go, hey, Mikey, let's pull the dust off these, these tracks and let's check them out, you know? Mm-hmm. So we did, and we're like, well, this is pretty good stuff, you know? Let's release it. So we decided to do that. And um, it, it is amazing to me how close it is. I mean, there's times where it's actually, I've actually fooled myself. Uh-huh. You know, Michael would have it on the studio listening back to it, and I'd walk in the room, and I think he was like, um, A, B, and the song are made the same to our recording, and he goes, no, Jack, that's you singing. I'm like, oh, my God. Leave you when the summer comes along. Yeah, because you can yeah, nail those so vocals. Uh, there were some moments on there that, well, you know, just, you know, for me, I'll never forget. That is pretty cool. I've always wondered about that, you know, why, how that came to be, but that's a pretty cool story. I'm going to have listeners yeah. now getting on to me going, how the fuck did you not hear that album yet? So- you know, I, got, I tell you what, though, I got to, uh, I got, I got to give credit to the band, man, because we rehearsed um, 16 songs in like, I think it was like four or six nights. Mm. I mean, literally like two hours a night rehearsals mm-hmm. and went out and played those shows. I mean, I don't think any other group musicians, you know, at the time probably could have pulled that off. Because it was really, I mean, it's a lot of stuff to learn. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of, you realize, like Mark was saying, you know, you've been playing these Zeppelin songs for years, and then when you really learn the songs, you realize, well, that chord's wrong, that chord's wrong. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, it was was pretty fun, man. They did a really good job. That's awesome. Well, I want to wish you continued success on the tour and all your new uh, adventures in the future. Um, Thank you. What's the uh, best way for people to get a hold of you and check out what you're doing? Okay, there's uh, a bunch of ways. There's jacksgreatwhite.com. Mm-hmm. That is jacksgreatwhite.com, and there's also a Jack Russell Facebook page and Jack Russell Pirates page on Facebook and Jack Russell Lowisher's page on Facebook. I saw that on yeah. Facebook. You have a ton of support on Facebook. You know, I do. I mean, I thank God. God bless my fans. And they're, they're all, I mean, they're all my shipmates, man. They really are. They've fielded them with me for so long, and, and they're there at the shows, and, you know, they were sending me emails when I was out and sick, you know what I mean, and, and you know, I, I got to give them a lot of credit, man. If it wasn't for the continued support of the audience, man, I mean, that really helped me come through all this. And made me want to come back and do this again because there was times where I'm thinking, God, I can't even walk right now. You know, and what's the point? Mm-hmm. I mean, what's the point? How am I ever going to come back from this? You know, I was 137 pounds. My wife's picking me up out of a wheelchair, you know, mm-hmm. laying me in the bed, cleaning me off, feeding me, changing my glossy bag when I had one, you know, and. I'm thinking, God, I'm so far from being on stage, it's, it's ridiculous. I'll never come back, you know? And I thought, you know what? No, I'm doing this. Nice. And I started playing the Rocky theme song through my head, you know? <laughs> you know? And pretty soon there I am, I'm walking. I'm like, okay, get out of the wheelchair and, you know, gain some weight and I'm going to the gym. And 
you know, so I'm feeling really good right now. You know, of course, there's the normal everyday aches and pains. You know, I've had a lot of, you know, damage done to my body over the years. But, you know, it's not going to keep me off stage, I'll tell you that. That's awesome, man. You've really come yeah. a long way back to get to where you're at now. i, I got to get well, I, you from I have a lot of people to thank for that. You know what I mean? Trust me, um, you know, God in particular. Um, you know, my, of course, my wife, who fortunately is a nurse, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and all my fans, man. You know, they really... I mean, especially, I remember, you know, every show we do now, it is so overwhelming to me, you know, the response. And we first, you know, when we first stopped the songs and, you know, uh, had that little break, I mean, the audience response is just, I mean, I get tears almost every single night. It nice. is so overwhelming. It just, it just, I mean, I see people in the audience crying, you know, it's just, oh my God, it is so, so special to me, you know. Well, and I yeah. think that's basically it boils down to the fact that, you know, it doesn't matter if it came from the 80s, the 90s, yesterday, 20 years ago. You know, good music is good music, and good music is always going to stand the test of time. And rock and roll is in people's hearts and souls, and if they find something they believe in and they find something they love, they're going to stick with it no matter what. And that's a testament to you and Great White, you know, for that matter, because Absolutely. you guys have been doing it for so long, and, you know, thank you for coming out with so many great albums over the years. I mean, I was just looking at my iPod and kind of surprised myself, <laughs> and I'm like, man, I've got a lot of Great White in this thing. That's a, that's a good thing. <laughs> Well, you know, thank you, you know, for, for enjoying the music and, and all the fans. Thank you so much because, you know, without you guys, we would have never been able to live out our dreams, you know, and, and continue to do so, you know. I mean, albeit it's not on the scale it was in the late 80s when we were playing arenas every night, but, you know, it doesn't matter. You know, I mean, if I'm playing for 100 people or, or 10,000, it's still so much fun. I mean, to see how the, you see the, the faces that you touch and, and you know, it's just, it's just such a gift, you know. I mean, I'm starting to sound really, you know, kind of cheesy right now. I don't mean to. That's what it's all it about, man. It's very emotional to me and very spiritual to me, you know. And I have so much love for our fans. I mean, I really, really do. They've always been there for me. Not once have they not. All right, fans. Well, that's your chance to your cue to get with your local promoters and let them know you want Jack Jack Russell's Great White in your town. You know, get out there and let them know because it's the club owners are the ones that make the decisions. They make the phone calls. They call the bands. They decide who they want to come play in their club. Trust me, you want Jack Russell's Great White in your town, right? Yep, Jack. Thank you. I, I agree, man. You know, I, <laughs> you're not gonna you're not gonna get an argument on me. <laughs> I think you've got a new publicity agent. Nice. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, right, you're hired. No, don't go see me. I suck. <laughs> <laughs> you want to fight about it? <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's great. You guys are a blast. I really, really appreciate it. Oh well, thanks so much for coming on. If you're ever in Nashville, let, uh, look us up, and we'd love to have you on in person. That'd be great. Anytime, please, and keep in touch. You got my number. If you ever want to call and chat about something, you know, please do. Man, that was pretty awesome to be able to sit down and talk to a legendary rocker like Jack Russell. That guy's been through a lot. Yeah, and then, you know that's part of why I started this show in the first place is because you know, and and I know you agree with me. You know, this is a, a fun thing for us to get to talk to people that we grew up listening to. You know, it's it's kind of surreal when you think about it. Before we ever got into this, it's like I never thought that I'd get to see you know or get to actually talk to Jack Russell or. Eddie Trunk or, you know, any of the people we've interviewed. It's 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 a trip, you know, and that's why we do it. It's fun. We certainly don't do it for all the big bucks we're making. <laughs> but, um, yeah, Jack's been through quite a lot in his life, and, and I'm happy to see him uh, 
you know, pushing forward and everything. And I will say, I, I hope things eventually resolve themselves and these guys can work things out together. I do too. And, you know, like Jack said, it's, it's the voice, you know, singing the songs you love, you know, and that's to me, when it comes to a band splitting up, the hardest guy to replace is always the lead singer because it's a signature thing. You know, lead guitarist might be close behind, yeah. but it's really hard to replace a lead singer because that's your signature sound. Yeah. So with Great White, you know, yeah, they've got the other guy and he is good. And this new album they're coming out with is supposed to be pretty decent from what I've heard. But it's just not Great White to me. I know. I just I, I, just wish everyone would just get along, as Rodney King said. Can't we all just get along? I know. Going back to our 91 uh, year in review episode. That's right. Look where it got him. <laughs> Poor guy. But, hey, like I said, we've got some big stuff coming your way. Check out the website, www.dbgeek.blogspot.com. DB you Geek Show. Or DB Geek Show. See, I was on a roll there Man, for a while. You had four it. weeks in a row where you had it right. Let me, let me try that again. www.dbgeekshow.blogspot.com. I'm going to go home and practice that so I can try to get back on my roll. I want to thank everybody that's tuned in today. Check out those archives if you have. If you're new to the show, you're just checking it out. We've got some great stuff we've done in the past. We've got some great stuff coming your way. And you guys just keep on rocking, and we're going to do the same. So we'll see you next week. See you next week. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.